0: Welcome back to another episode of the Next Level Minds podcast. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, my name is Chris Chapman and I am your host. And this is a podcast for those who want to reach a next level in their business, personal, or career life. Every other week, I'm blessed to sit down with a fully qualified guest, entrepreneur, content creator, or mover and shaker in their industry and really walk through their story of how they've gotten from point A to point B and overcame various adversities along the way. Now, before we dive into this week's episode, I want to go ahead and reiterate my main goal, which is to impact over 1 million people by helping them reach a next level. So if you have not done this already, please take the time to subscribe to Next Level Minds on Apple Podcasts, and then share this episode with a family member, friend, or colleague who you think will get some value out of it, as that'll help impact over 1 million people. Now on to today's guest, I am sitting down with Chad Willardson. Chad is currently the president and founder of Pacific Capital. He's also an elected city treasurer, and he's also been featured in Forbes, Yahoo Finance, NBC News, Wall Street Journal, and many other media outlets. He's the best-selling author of two books right now, Stress-Free Money and smart not spoiled he also has a third book on the way and his career mission is to help people enjoy life by removing their stress about money so if you want to learn more about finance if you want to learn more about his experience and if you want to know how to create a stress free life uh without having to worry about money then this episode is for you So thank you all for tuning in to Next Level Minds. And as we like to say here, your mindset is your greatest weapon for the battle of success. Chad, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to hop on the uh, Next Level Minds podcast, man. I'm really uh, excited to dive in with you a bit today. My pleasure. Really excited to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, I always do the introduction of the episode kind of offline. So just expect that the listeners know a bit about you already. Um, however, I did want to ask you, obviously, you've been in the financial space for a long time, kind of what, what got you interested in that space? I mean, was it something in your childhood, college? I mean, what, what was that kind of like on your lens? I didn't know a lot about
1: money or investing growing up. It wasn't something we talked about regularly, but I I studied economics. That was my degree. And so I was fascinated by the economy Mm. and just learning why, you know, why different things happen in the investment markets and the kind of the global macro picture was always really important to me. Uh, I don't know why I just was fascinated with that. And so while I was in college, I was a sophomore and I did an internship at a $10 billion mutual fund company. And I got to be essentially the right-hand man of the lead portfolio manager. And so I was researching stocks and I was listening to his analyst calls and hearing him interview. He was a small cap stock manager. And so I could actually sit in the office and take notes while he was interviewing company CEOs and founders and learning about their business and trying to decide if they were good investments or not. And it was just Extremely fascinating to me, and so my senior year in college, I I went to a career fair, and was fortunate enough to land an interview with Merrill Lynch Wealth Management, and so I got into the business directly out of college, and uh, it's been hard to say, but uh, hard hard to believe actually that it's been twenty years, but I've been in the industry about twenty years now.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Where you go into uh, BYU? I think I saw right. I did. Yes, economics degree at BYU. Cool. Are you uh, from around that area as well, or? No, I grew up in Orange County, California. So I moved right back down here after college, and I uh, was working here in Southern California at Merrill Lynch. Gotcha. Um, in your childhood, I mean, were your were your parents into you know entrepreneurship, business ownership, all that stuff? Because obviously that's what you're doing now with your own firm. So not
1: no, my parents were actually not um, entrepreneurs. My dad was an executive and very very smart in the business world, but um, I was definitely the first person to step out into entrepreneurship in uh, in my
0: family tree. Yeah. So going to Merrill Lynch, obviously I know you spent, uh, I, th- I think I saw on LinkedIn about nine years there. Right. Um, and I saw as one of your rankings, you were, you know, top 2% nationally. So w- what advice would you have for, you know, maybe a younger hire out of school, kind of how to leverage yourself, move up in that role. Um, cause that's obviously an impressive milestone there.
1: Yeah, I think a couple of things that I did early on that helped set me apart. Um, number one, I, I definitely latched on to the leaders that I wanted to follow. You know, there were people that I admired that I knew were very successful and I was willing to ask them and to be humble enough to ask them for advice and say, mm-hmm. you know, basically what would you do if you were starting over in this industry now? And what has gotten you ahead in your career? how have you been able to build a business? There were a lot of questions that I had that I think my colleagues who were brand new out of college were maybe, I don't know if they were scared to ask or just were maybe thought they already knew a lot, but I felt like finding mentors and people to follow and look up to was really important. Uh, Another thing is I just, I became addicted to reading and studying and learning. Mm-hmm. So I became a learn-it-all. I did not like to read in high school. I did not like to read in college. But as soon as I graduated and I felt like my I was in the real world of career, I became an obsessive learner and I wanted to know as much as I could. So nights and weekends, uh, I wasn't watching TV or Netflix. I was really studying and learning and, and trying to better
0: myself. I think that over time, that compound growth of my learning really set me apart. Yeah, I love that you mentioned the learning aspect. Um, you know, in 2020, instead of, you know, watching the next series on Netflix, I, I took the time to do once or two weeks podcast, you know, a book a month, take notes on it. And because of that, you know, my income naturally just exploded. So I, I'm, I'm really glad that you mentioned that because I think a lot of people don't realize like the after effect that, that dedication and learning can, can really have on you in the long run, you know? Yeah, and in, in fact, at our at Pacific Capital, we have a requirement that everyone reads a
1: book a month and gives a report, mm-hmm. basically a book report on it. So I pre approve the books every month, but it's just part of our culture here that we want to be learn-it-alls, not know-it-alls. And yeah. with information is so readily available today that there's just no
0: excuse. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, you got podcast books, YouTube, the whole nine yards there. Um Right. Last thing I want to ask you about Merrill Lynch, obviously I want to go into to your company in, in a lot of detail here, but um, obviously that's a, that's a big company, right? You were seeking mentorship, trying to learn from others. You know, what, what other kind of like advice would you have just to like separate yourself so you're not just another number? Because um, there's some folks here that may work for, you know, top Fortune 100 companies and just kind of feel stuck in that role and stuff. I, I think it's uh, you've got to look at how can you make a
1: difference outside the box, Uh, How can I creatively make an impact Uh, if you're trying to shine the spotlight on yourself? I think you'll be less successful. Excuse me. If you're trying to shine the spotlight on others, on your clients, on the leadership team, like making other people look good and doing a great job and not always um, asking for the credit is a great thing that you could do in a big company to stand out because At a lot of the big companies, I mean, it's kind of a shark's pool. Everyone's looking out for themselves and you may feel stuck or you may also feel like no one's really got your back. And I think the only way to really make a lot of progress in those kind of huge corporate environments is to stand out by being different. And often that just means being extremely unselfish, Hmm. being willing to do the things that no one else is willing to do, having a great attitude, being completely dependable and reliable. Um, taking on tasks and projects that are probably undesirable that others are not willing to step up and do. And then excelling at those things and showing that you're a leader and someone who takes initiative, coming up with ideas to help other people succeed in what they're doing. I mean, the more the more that you can do, the more you're going to advance your career.
0: Yeah. No, I love that you mentioned that. And just, again, thinking differently outside the box rather than just kind of doing what everyone else is doing and everything. Yeah, go beyond your job description and make an impact. That's what I would say. Mm, I love it. And then, of course, the other things, just to summarize, was the mentorship side, and then obviously the the learning and personal development, right?
1: Extreme learning and personal development. Yeah, there's. uh, I think that we can become as great as our learning, and so the the education that you choose outside. Same thing I tell my kids in sports, and like if you only go to the team practices. You're, you're not trying to be your best self. You've got to do training and make sacrifices and do things outside of the required team practices that set yourself up for success. Expand your talents so that when you come back on the court or on the field, it's clear that you've been doing something on your own. So I, I think it's the same lesson in business.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. Um, so going going to your firm uh, Pacific Capital here. Uh, you started what 11, 11, 2011 was that correct? 11, 11, eleven yes, sir. what uh, I mean is that symbolism I mean, what's the what's the mindset behind that? It
1: was uh, I was I was leaving around that time anyways and I just figured it might be good luck so <laughs>
0: uh, no way. that's yeah. awesome Yeah. Uh, that's hilarious.
1: I like that. I just that. picked a date on the calendar and I said, how about we, how about I make a change that date? So that's when I started Pacific
0: Capital 11, 11, 11. I gotcha. So within that transition, were you still working at, at Merrill or was it stop working, jump to it? Or what was that like?
1: No, it was, it was stop working, uh, formally resign and then start the next day from scratch with Pacific Capital. So gotcha. had to, had to rebuild a business after being pretty successful after nine years at Merrill Lynch. But um, it's, it's turned out great. Obviously I had, I had significant offers to change companies, you know, to leave mm-hmm. Merrill Lynch and go to Morgan Stanley, go to Goldman Sachs, uh, go to UBS or Chase bank. I was only, let's see, it was 2011. So I was, that was, let's see. Yeah, I was 32 ish, 32 and a half. I think when I left and I had chances to get a, a paycheck of three and a half million dollars as a bonus to switch companies. And I declined all those uh, bonus offers and instead went and spent a bunch of money, borrowed against my house, borrowed on my credit card and started a business instead of taking three and a half million dollars up front. And at the time, you know, I had a mortgage and wife and kids and it was tempting, but I felt like it wasn't the right long-term move for clients or for me. And so I, I made the harder kind of the longer term decision and it's worked out really
0: well. Wow. How I had no idea that that was the background of, of starting the, the organization. I know you obviously jumped ship, but um, man, so you turned that down obviously to make more of an impact for what you're doing now and everything. Yeah.
1: I, I felt like it was a more of a lateral move, so I wouldn't be able to look anyone in the eye and tell them, Hey, I think you should uh, join me in my new firm. I switched. I basically went across the street and we have a different logo on my business card. But all the issues yeah. and bureaucracy and, and slow service stuff is actually still the same. And I just got a bonus. So I, I really yeah. didn't feel that was being true to myself or to my clients
0: mm.
1: and to my friends and family who trust trust their money and their investments and their financial life. To me, I, didn't, I couldn't make it. It felt like it was too selfish of a decision. And so I took the longer, harder route. And it's definitely worked out in the long run
0: for everyone. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, it obviously has. You know, I've been following you for for a few years now. Um, let me let me ask you this. So, how, how did you, you know, just stay? I guess not stay humble, but like, how did you just keep up the positivity of making that type of money at those bigger firms, having that potential bonus to then leveraging the house, the credit cards? I mean, I'm sure that was a bit tough, right? It was, yeah. And in fact. After I left, there was a lot of uh,
1: negative and false things said about me. Once I left, I was the top, top advisor in the region. And when I left it, it caused a big stir with management at Merrill Lynch. And they were saying all kinds of things about me to clients and to, to colleagues and professionals I'd known in the industry. So it was definitely a challenging time. Not only that, I had a lot of bills and I had to start from scratch, so. I was probably at that time, I was, you know, starting work at five in the morning and I was getting home at 11 o'clock or midnight for a while. I had to really just put in, I had to do whatever it takes. Yeah. You know, that's kind of my attitude was I'm not going to let this fail. I really care about what I'm doing and I believe it's the right thing to do. And so I put in that extra effort to really set the foundation.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I want to touch on this um, in a bit more detail, but I don't want to jump gears just yet. I obviously know you have a family and stuff. So business question around that. I mean, you were leaving at five, getting back at 11. know um, you have kids, wife and all that. I mean, how were how you kind of balancing, keeping up with them, the house, the family life and, and growing the business? Or did you just kind of set that expectation of, hey, listen, here's how it's going to be for a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't balance it at all. That was just required at that time, that phase of life it was not a year, it was less than a year that I had to do that, but I think my family, my wife was understanding of it and she knew what was required and what this would hopefully turn into was creating a great business that made an impact where I could recruit and hire the people I wanted to bring onto our team. And um, it certainly worked out, but during those periods, definitely, uh, there was no balance at all. It was like uh, grinding just to survive. And so that's what I had to do.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. It sounds like it. Um, what's kind of y'all's, I guess, main differentiator, right? There's a lot of wealth management companies out there and everything. So
1: so there are, depending on what study you read, 300,000 to 600,000 financial advisors. Uh, one differentiator is we are completely independent, certified financial fiduciaries, which is less than 4% of the industry. Most of the industry has some tie to a broker dealer, to an insurance company there. You know, I gave up and basically canceled a lot of my licenses that I worked so hard to get when I was at Merrill Lynch, because with those licenses comes contracts and affiliations with big banks and broker dealers. And I wanted to be totally independent so that there was no conflict of interest or there was no bias in the advice or the investment recommendations and so uh, Tony Robbins actually writes about that in one of his big mm. books about money and how a lot of people pretend to be fiduciaries and they pretend to be financial advisors when really they're sales brokers and agents. So that's 95% of our industry. Pretty much that's one differentiator. Another differentiator is I'm a true entrepreneur like my clients. Mm. So I've co-founded and, and started many businesses. I'm still involved in many other businesses. Uh, I'm heavily invested in real estate. Apartment buildings, medical complexes, residential housing in in many different states. And so I'm not the I'm not the financial guy that just says, hey, you should have all your money in stocks. I really believe in having a diverse variety of investments, income from many sources. I encourage clients to invest in other things and I find good ways for them to finance it and to do it in a tax advantaged way. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm more speaking as a peer from experience to these high net worth entrepreneur clients than someone who works at a big bank and has just maybe studied the concepts. Like they see me more as someone who's like them. So I, I feel like those are differentiators. Um, our, our client minimum for new accounts is someone who's investing at least $5 million to start. That's the lowest we'll accept. That's definitely a differentiator. It's a niche. I'm an elected city official. I manage $460 million for taxpayers as a volunteer. Um, I've written three books. So these are some of the things that I've done that I think separate us a little bit, make us different.
0: Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with all those, especially the point about, um, not that I want to dive into real estate or anything, but... As you mentioned, you're doing investments in real estate. You have other companies. I mean, you're just like probably a lot of the folks that are opening an account with you, and so you can yeah. relate one on one of like, hey, I'm also in apartment buildings. I'm also yeah. a co-founder of these companies. So yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, and yeah, I've seen it with the bigger brokerage shops. It's like, oh, you know, get this life insurance policy. It's like, what? Like, why are you pushing this on me right. type of thing? You're supposed right. to be advising me, not selling me. You know, exactly. So. But um, but no, and I also want to ask you. You know, we talked about your family and stuff earlier. Um, you know, your, your LinkedIn posts, which we will touch on it a bit because they, they're pretty awesome. But uh, mm-hmm. as far as the family goes, I mean, it looks like man, you're, you're doing stuff with your wife, your kids. Like you're really involved as a father, um, which you know that's very um, you know admirable. I look up to that a lot. So Thank you know, you. How, how are you you know balancing it now um, in regards to everything you got going on?
1: Um, I only do the things that I'm really really good at. And everything else, I've got a great person who handles it. So, I'm in fall. I'm a, I'm on a board of directors for a company. I'm a co-founder in a few companies. I'm an elected official. So I've got a lot on my plate, but I don't miss my kids' games. Um, I'll go to their practices. I'll drive them around at night and afternoon sometimes. I'll uh, go on date night every week. Like I, there's no balance. I don't think the the whole balance thing to me doesn't make sense. I think it's more like intentional living and prioritizing and not wasting time. Hmm. So I've cut out a lot of things. I don't do my own emails. I don't have a voicemail. I don't have an office phone. Um, I don't set, I'm not involved in most meetings. So our team does most internal and external client meetings. I'll be involved in a few per month, maybe. And so I'm, I'm focused on the stuff that I really am excited about and, and really make a difference. And that also gives me time to, to be an active and engaged dad and
0: husband, which to me is more important than all this stuff anyways. Yeah, yeah, I like that you mentioned you only do the stuff that that you're good at um, and, and you've delegated the rest is what it sounds like, right?
1: Yes, partnered and elevated. So delegate to me is, um, delegate means giving stuff off your plate to someone who's less skilled than you mm. so that you don't have to do it and to elevate is to take something off your plate, give it to someone who's more skilled than you, who's, who's actually better in that area. And so what I've tried to do is it's concept of the book called who, not how, and I will find people who are better than me at stuff and ask them to partner with them to do it. And so things are getting not just done for me, but they're getting done better than I would do it anyways. So I'm surrounded by a lot of smart and talented people, which uh, which which helped me to be most effective with my time and also give them a chance to do something that they love and that they're
0: good at. Yeah, and you're elevating them up at the same time, giving them more responsibilities and everything too, right? Correct.
1: Yeah, they enjoy it because I'm trusting them to do important things.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you've obviously instilled a strong vision for your firm, so they're feeling like that they're participating in that vision, that, that vision and all that as well too, which I love. Absolutely. So um, going back to some of your LinkedIn posts, I know you mentioned one, I I think it was about a week ago. I mean, we're recording uh, August 31st. Um, You're talking about, you know, don't wait till retirement to enjoy life. Um, Going with you, with what you just said about, you know, traveling, spending time with your kids. Um, Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Because I mean, I'm recently switching my mindset when I first started working five years ago. I was like, all right, if I can just do this until 50, then I can finally enjoy life. And now I'm like, Wait, I want some cash flow coming in. Trying to get an investment property under my wing in the next couple months because I realize it's the importance of, you know, having more time freedom. So, can you kind of go on that in a bit more detail?
1: I think it's critical not to set milestones in the future where you will begin give yourself permission to enjoy life. Now, the challenge is that some people take that to the extreme, and they overindulge in the present and and do not prepare for the future. So. I'm not advocating for that. I'm saying you've got to be disciplined. And I think the simplest way for people, even when they're younger in their twenties, they could set up automatic withdrawals from their checking account or for their paycheck directly into investment accounts. So they're investing and saving and building up something for their future automatically every week, every paycheck, every month, but as frequently as possible. I encourage people to do it weekly, 52 investments, a year, 52 chances to invest. So you're disciplined. You're building up some for their future, but you're also carving out time and perhaps some money to do stuff that's fun, because you just don't know how long you're going to be around. So hmm. I I don't think that it's one or the other. I don't think you have to be an extreme saver and say I'm not going to enjoy life until I have this much or whatever. Or you know, forget it. You only live once and you might as well have lots of fun now and forget about the future. So I think those are two extremes that are dangerous and it's much more because it's much better to just have some discipline set up around both areas of your life, your financial future and your enjoyment and life in the present.
0: Yeah, I agree. Kind of having that happy medium of not just willy nilly. Hey, I'm going to go travel for 52 weeks and not make any money, but at the same time, I'm not going to just work hundred hour weeks until I'm 50 type of thing. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. And I definitely had way less freedom in the beginning. Mm. So people who are looking at my social media now, they miss the point of, uh, 20 years ago when I was starting from scratch and grinding it out and cold calling and cold walking businesses and licking envelopes and addressing them and sending them to, uh, addresses for seminars and things like that. Like I'm not doing that anymore, but I definitely was for a while.
0: Yeah. that's the thing people don't see kind of the the grind of what it took to actually get to that level. Correct. Yeah. So can you talk, I wanted you to talk about your two books and then uh, I want you to leave some time too, as, as we wrap up, um, about your new book, um, beyond the money, but your other two books, smart, not spoiled stress-free money. I really liked smart, not spoiled. Um, I've kind of hovered it a little bit, skimmed it. And, uh, I loved what you're talking about of just like instilling financial principles in, in your kids and everything. So Can you talk about both of those in a bit more detail?
1: Sure. Yeah. Stress-free money is overcoming the seven obstacles to find financial freedom. And so I list essentially the main things that I see blocking people from making financial success and finding financial freedom. I won't go through all those principles, but let's just say the book's principles apply to anyone, whether you've got a hundred million dollars or a hundred dollars. Uh, I think you can learn from the concepts in the book and really push, push yourself to be in the right financial state of mind to have long-term success and not get caught up in the most common seven mistakes or traps that people find themselves in. Book number two is smart, not spoiled. So if you think about flying on an airplane, the, the first thing you do in an emergency is you put the oxygen mask over yourself and then you put the oxygen mask over your kids. So stress-free money was really your oxygen mask smart, not spoiled is your kid's oxygen mask. So now it's like how, now that I'm set up, how can I set up my kids for success? How can I teach them to be smart and not spoiled? What principles do they need to learn before they turn 18 and leave high school leave, leave the house. And so I think there's been a great, uh, just a great reception to that concept in that book. Um, sold more copies in the first week than the stress-free money did in the first year. And stress-free money was a, a good wow. selling book, hit a lot of number one spots. So I knew the concept was something that people wanted to hear about. How do I teach my kids about money? Cause the schools just aren't doing it on a side note. I co-founded a company called gravy stack, uh, Gravystack.com, which implements the gaming app and debit card for kids. And it's really taken from the Smart Not Spoiled book. So uh, that's launching sometime in 2022, hopefully soon. And then book three is, is for a smaller niche market. It's called Beyond the Money, and it's the eight lifestyle shifts for entrepreneurs with eight figures or more. So really it's targeting the high income entrepreneur who's got over 10 million that is, they've already financially made it, and it's like, what do they do now? And so those are most of the clients that I'm personally advising. And so this book is really written for that specific niche market.
0: Yeah. Are you, uh, are you allowed to kind of give like a couple premises of what a uh, chat's about? Or do you want to save that to November?
1: <laughs> so the book,
0: we're aiming to
1: release it on October 25th. That's when it's scheduled to come out. Um, cool. I, I talked a little bit about one of the principles, but uh, like chapter two is about give yourself permission to celebrate. Uh, there's a quote that says celebrating your wins not only feels great physically, it reinforces the positive attitude and behavior you want to have show up when you face a new challenge or opportunity. So we really talk about, because so many high achieving growth minded people are, are don't even want to pause to celebrate their wins. They're so quick to move on to the very next thing. Um, They're just thinking about their type a, they want to achieve something else. They want to start another business. And it's like, I I'm counseling clients to just pause and look back, look how far you've come implement the principles from the great book gap in the gain from my client, Dr. Benjamin Hardy and Dan Sullivan and, and look back and look at the gain and look how far you've come and celebrate that before you move on to your next venture. So that's, that's one of the principles. Then I also talk about how to manage your attention. Well, uh, people who are very successful and, and busy and, and in the spotlight, they get demands and requests all the time. And so this is something that I've dealt with myself and I've helped counsel clients with. And so that's one of the other chapters is about managing your attention and your time well, so. Hmm.
0: I love that. No, I mean, those, those seem like some amazing principles because that's like, you know you sell your business, your, your 10 figure or nine, eight, 10 figure, et cetera. And then you're like, well, now what type of right. thing? So right. I, I love that too. you. I think that's filling a niche because I mean, you got stress-free money, and then you got smart not spoiled, which is of course filling that niche of, you know, financial abundance for your kids, how to train them to to invest and and have a financial, you know, sound life. And then you got beyond the money um, for, for the business owner and everything. So it sounds like you're covering obviously all kind of the, the main areas.
1: Trying to, thank you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what other things do you have planned? I mean, I know some other companies you do uh, My First Sale, uh, Draft Sports Complex. I mean, is there anything going on with those or are those just kind of businesses you're partnered in?
1: Yeah, those are businesses I'm not operating, but I'm a co-founder, co-owner in. So the Draft Sports Complex is just a big sports facility in Southern California. We own um, travel sports clubs, volleyball, basketball, cheerleading, and we host huge tournaments, regional and national in our gym. And so, uh, it's, it's just great to go there and see a couple thousand people there, fans supporting these kids to having a great time. So it's not something I'm like daily working in or operating in, but it's just something that I'm passionate about. And therefore I wanted to be a part of it when we were, uh, coming up with the idea and getting the business rolling.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What, uh, I know you got the book um, coming up soon, you know, October 25th, you said, was that launch date, right? Yes. Perfect. Any, uh, any other exciting things coming down your pipeline or?
1: Yeah, you know, I, um, I think one of the things that we've been excited to talk to clients about is really getting their total financial life in order and looking at more than just their investments. And so with lots of different law changes in the last couple of years, uh, I think To me, it's been exciting to get together with other professionals and really strategize on behalf of our clients. And so we've been looking at different tax planning and and estate planning strategies, protecting business owners and their assets and just doing things that are really going to make an impact on our entrepreneur clients and their families. And so we've got, uh, I guess, four months left as of recording today to get a lot of cool stuff
0: done before the year's over. So excited about that. Yeah, I think I mean I'm sure a lot of other firms are looking at this too, but I think that's another differentiator is just narrowing down on the uh regulations and what's happening in the future to make sure that all your clients are are equally prepared for that obviously. Yeah, we we like to play
1: offense, not just defense. So we yeah. we get on the offensive side and we strategize and we're proactive about it, which I think is different. So we have fewer clients, but we can do a lot more with them and that's that's obviously on purpose.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Chad, this is a great interview. Um, Thanks, obviously, for taking the time to to be on the show. I know we got to stop coming up here. So, um, any other uh, final remarks you have or just general business advice to any of the listeners out there before we jump off?
1: Yeah, I I would say uh, be a learner, a lifetime learner, be a giver. Um, That's one of my mottos, it's just always be giving and uplifting. Um, I get on LinkedIn every day and I share stuff that I hope inspires. Sometimes it's just entertaining and I'm messing around, but. A lot of the times it's to inspire and and hopefully give ideas and insights and hope to people who are looking to make their own way and their own successes. And I I don't believe that it's a zero sum game. You know, I, I think that we can cheer each other on and I don't really believe in competition. I don't think about competition. I don't think about other financial people in any negative way. Uh, I enjoy welcoming their comments and cheering them on in my posts. Like, I, I think we can all be a little bit better at that and realize that there's enough good abundance and success to go around.
0: Yeah, and even though it might be a competitor, I mean, you could learn something from them, they could learn something from you and that rising tide lifts all boats mentality, right? Absolutely. Yeah, but no, thanks for dropping the, the value at the end about you know the learning, especially the giving part as well. I think that's uh, extremely important. Um, but yeah, thanks again, Chad, for, uh, for being on the show. I really appreciate your efforts here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, that's it, everyone. Thanks again for taking the time to tune into this week's episode of Next Level Minds. Be sure to connect with Chad in the various social media avenues that are listed below in the show notes. But other than that, thank you again for tuning in and hope everyone has a fantastic week ahead.